0: What fun. Thank y'all so much for having us back and to come on a day to see a child dedication. And I love that song, telling an old old story all through the Bible. I heard y'all are starting the book of Acts today. That is just the story of God pursuing man. And we are glad here to be here today to share a story with you.
1: You know, in Luke 15... Jesus tells a parable, and you're very familiar with it. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost. Doesn't he go after that one and leave the ninety-nine in the open field? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes back home. There he calls his family and his neighbors, and he says, rejoice with me. I have found the lost sheep. And the same will be true in heaven. There will be more rejoicing over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 who are righteous and don't need to repent. You know, we are familiar with that story and we've seen pictures of it. Maybe you even have a picture of that here in the church somewhere where that sheep is just stuck somewhere and crying out to the shepherd, wanting someone to come back and help him. And the shepherd comes and maybe has to fight off an enemy and dig down in the dirt or wherever he has to go. That shepherd wants to give everything he has to get his lost sheep back. And then he rejoices. And so many times we think about our journey of following after Christ. But we may forget about how God pursues each one of us.
0: We lived in Bangkok, Thailand for 26 years. I was the administrator of the, the mission office. We had like 400 missionaries in the region, and so I took care of all the nerd stuff. And because it was downtown Bangkok, we'd often have people out of luck, needing money, coming for, for money or something for food. And one day, it was a typical day, uh, an Indian-looking man came in, looked kind of disheveled and sad and had terrible English. I could barely understand him, but he needed money. I really needed him out of the office. So, you know, I gave him 10 bucks because he was starting to tell a sad story, and I didn't have time. Sent him on his way, because usually they never come back, but Abbott came back, and through the weeks that he came back, I was hearing his story. He has family here. He can't work. He's there in hiding. I didn't really understand much until he brought his little daughter, his little five-year-old daughter. And he was saying, yeah, we live on a roof of a building and nobody helps us. And it, it, was, it was too much. I said, basically, I'm not sure I believe you, but let's go. And we got in my car and we drove 45 minutes through Bangkok traffic to a old building in a terrible slummy part of town. And he took me in the side door and we started climbing stairs, four staircases to the roof, like it was a ladder in the last staircase. And it was like a, a piece of metal covering, covering the, the tin and I had banged on the metal and a precious 11-year-old boy pulled the metal back. We go up there, and on top of this disgusting building with soot and filth all around, this family lived. There were three walls on one side and a grate like a fence on another side. They had been living there for a year. The dirt and the heat coming through. And there was a precious family of, with four kids and a mom and dad. The, the utensils for their kitchen would, would fit in that little basket right there. They had little mats to sleep on. It was terrible.
1: This family introduced us to a way of life that we had no idea about. We didn't know people were in Bangkok in this situation and they had just a few precious possessions that they brought out with them. One of them was their photo album. When they started opening that photo album, it seemed like they came alive, talking about their friends and showing us pictures of family events. And as we looked and saw their place, we learned that they had had a business while they were there in Pakistan. And in that business, they made these high count Thread count sheets that they sold around the world to different hotels. Their house there, it was, it was like a small palace in Pakistan. Just very nice. And to see the family in this situation, wow, it became real to us.
0: We learned that Abed was a Hindu. His wife, Shabnam, was Muslim. And when she married, she converted to Hinduism they showed us these posters that were put all over the city that they lived in. Huge posters that said, this is the Abed family. There are four children. If you see this family in the streets, you do not ask any questions. You take the oldest child, this is all on the poster, and in front of the parents and the rest of the kids, you cut that child's neck off, head off. Then you cut the next child's head off, the next child's head off to the smallest child. And then you kill the wife in front of the husband. And lastly, you kill the husband. This will teach you that you don't change from the Muslim religion. Couldn't believe it. He said, we were always in hiding. We were very wealthy. And one day... They kidnapped this organization that you are all familiar with. Kidnapped our youngest son, Balal. He was eight at the time. And they were going to hold him hostage and make him become a member of their army. I gave every penny I had to ransom my son. And whatever we had left, we sold and bought tickets to come to Bangkok because we heard we could be refugees and maybe get to another country where we'd be safe.
1: So when they got to Bangkok, they came in on a tourist visa and they registered with the UNHCR, but here had been a year, they hadn't heard anything. Of course, they continually tried to call and find out more, but when they got no answers, they had kind of given up.
0: And Uh, so now
1: they were in hiding because if they got caught without a visa, they'll be caught, taken to the detention center, and it's just like a jail cell there. I think we told you the story about that last year. So they had to remain in hiding, and they had to beg for food.
0: We listened to the story as, you know, have you ever been in a place that you just didn't know what to do? That's what we, I don't know what to do. We listened to the story and right there we prayed, oh God, We don't know what to do, but you do. Uh, The only thing I think of, can you let the UN call them to, to interview them to be a refugee?
1: That afternoon, Abed called and said, we received a call from UNHCR. Now we can see that your God answers prayer. This was a surprise to us as well, but we were very excited that God was pursuing them. And the children, they were precious, I had realized that they had been in that room without education for a year and of course as a teacher that bothered me so much so I started bringing books the next time we went. We would have books with us and go up and try to teach them and Shabnam would try to teach me how to make her food and I really wasn't good at it at all but her food was delicious. But we could see when we opened the books the children were just hungry. They were just so hungry to know and to learn something. And we looked at the situation where they were. It was really hot in that room with the tin over the top, and we just began to pray, Lord, please open up some kind of a better room situation for this family.
0: Abed would keep coming back to the office, usually about once a month to get some money, which I completely understood he needed. Uh, He had come in a couple of days before, and... um, a friend, a Pakistani Christian friend came to my office. He was living in North Thailand, but he just popped into the office. I was so upset. I said, "Pervez, I need you to share Christ in Urdu with this man, but he came two days ago. He's not going to come again for another three weeks. So Pervez and I got on the floor. Lord, send Abed back. Within an hour, Abed comes into the office and he sits down. I just wanted to come back and Uh, Abed, this is why you came back. Pervez said, and we listened as Pervez shared Christ's love clearly with Abed. Abed listened and he said, you know, Christians are the only ones that have shown kindness to us in Bangkok. I will listen to you.
1: We went back to the house not too long afterwards and we climbed up those stairs, moved over the roof, but no one was in there. And we were like, oh my goodness, what has happened? So we started calling out, Abed, Shabnam, where are you? And they opened up the door and said, hey, we have a room. This one's been vacated for us. And we went in. They had a room with beds on the floor. How wonderful. And they had said, we have decided to follow Christ. Our family wants to follow Christ. And Shabnam had been reading the Bible, or she said so.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty skeptical because, you know, they're getting money from me. So, yeah, it's, it's convenient for her to say she's reading the Bible. But we started talking, and she started talking about the creation and Abraham. Well, you're, you're a Muslim, so that makes sense. And then she started talking about Jacob and Esau and Joseph and his brothers and Egypt and... Moses and Aaron and Miriam and the Ten Commandments. And she had read in thoroughly about five chapters in two, or five books in two weeks and was full of questions and so excited about the book.
1: And it's so exciting when someone is ready to follow Christ and they still have so many questions. They come with a new excitement that some of us forget after we've been following Christ for a while.
0: We saw God doing all sorts of things in this family's life, and you know we're giving prayers and God's answering. One day we came to visit, and Abed looked at me and he said, "I have one last request of you, brother David. Oh, what is that?" My grandfather died when he was forty-one of heart disease. My dad died when he was forty of heart disease. I'm thirty-nine and I have heart disease. I had gone to the doctor several months ago and they said, there's very little hope for any kind of cure for me and I am not expected to live long. I want you to take my wife and my children and you care for them and you take them as your own family. Well, y'all, my prayers got better and better. I said, Lord. (laughs) here we are again. You know I can't do this one. I can't do this one, Lord. You're going to have to do something. Um, It wasn't three weeks later when Abed called me and he said, "The, the UN has accepted us refugees and the United States has made us go and have a physical. They did an MRI on me, a CAT scan, and there's no record of any kind of heart disease in me at all. He was excited, but I was much more so excited. Whew.
1: And Bill All said, they want to know where we want to go. They said, we can go to New York, we can go to L.A., we can go to Houston. What should we tell them? We said, well, um, New York's good. We know some people there, but how about Houston? There's some big Baptist churches there, and surely we can find someone who can help you there and get you into a church.
0: But he called back and he said, oh, They won't send us to Houston. They're going to send us to some place called Mobile, Alabama.
1: (laughs) And I said, That is the best news because we are in Birmingham. If you're in New York or Houston, we might not be able to go see you, but we can go see you in Mobile. We're just a few hours away.
0: Three days before they left Bangkok to come to Mobile, (laughs) the family were baptized. They moved to Mobile. And four days after they moved, we came home on stateside assignment.
1: We can't even believe that this is true, the way God answered prayer. But we knew that God was seeking them out for a reason. Life in America for them was not very easy. One of the first times we went to visit them, there were some volunteers there from the Mormon church. They were trying to teach them how to drive a car. Of course, they had no car to drive, and they would walk everywhere. He had walked everywhere everywhere trying to get a job it was very difficult but you know he had this bad eye that he had gained from some kind of a problem in pakistan he really didn't speak much english he wasn't that employable we went and tried to talk to some people to get him some help and he finally found a job with a pakistani man who had a gas station six miles away. We got him a bicycle so he could ride along the road to get to work. It was a hard life and he didn't feel he had time to take his family to church.
0: He worked like ninety hours a week and he was only paid for 40 hours a week and the the station owner said, I know you can't get work otherwise anywhere else, so you're gonna have to take it or leave it. Ovid was so sad he wasn't taking his family to church and before we came back to go to Back to Bangkok, we came to visit this family here in America. And I said, Abed, God has been chasing you for years. But you are here with people that are Christians and the church is, will help you as you help the church. You have got to commit to going to church for one month, taking your family to church And I promise your life will change. Man, that was a promise I shouldn't have made.
1: We went back to Thailand and we didn't hear from them for quite a while, but after about six months, they did call. They said, Yes, we did go back to church. And yes, people did help us. Now we're here in Washington State. And we have been put in charge of being a manager for the cleaning services for some five of these days. In our children have work after school, the ones who are old enough. And guess what? If y'all come back, we can employ you too.
0: God chased man. He does it in Thailand, He does it all over the seas, He does it here in Birmingham, Alabama. Last night, I work as a chaplain on the weekends at UAB. And last night, I was in a room with a man who had had a double lung transplant from Leeds. And he said, you know, two, he was in his, well into his 50s. He said, two years ago, I was sitting in the hospital room, and I felt something strange going on, and the custodian came in. The lady asked me how I was doing. I said, not well. And she says, I want to pray for you. And before she left 15 minutes later, I became a Christian. And I have followed God, and I know God has a purpose for me. And I sat and listened. God is chasing us, and he's calling us not to work so hard, but to go and to watch and be a part of that chase. Would you join me in prayer? Not to us, O oh Lord, not to us. But to your name, give glory for the sake of your everlasting kindness and love and faithfulness. Amen.